0: What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Steve Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, sure show where we bring you every single Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, the very latest in cryptocurrency and blockchain news. I am, of course, joined by my humble, fantastic co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing? Doing good. Um, I'm glad that... Uh,
1: well, a week ago, we were in pretty high spirits. We saw a, a pretty big correction that happened in the market. Luckily, it's starting to bounce back, find some, um, some support. And trying to tick back up. Hopefully, we're we're looking towards a, a short squeeze. Uh, the greed index is looking uh, pretty bleak, but it's good. That means it's time to to BTFD if you know what that means. But excited to break a lot of that down with you here today, man. How about you? How you doing?
0: No doubt, man. Look, I am very used to saying around here that it's a beautiful day in crypto land, but I'm gonna be real, man. It's cold as crap out here. <laughs> um, like winter has officially come in Phoenix, Arizona, and it is chilly. Um, so I am officially done with wearing shorts. Not that anybody on this, uh, this podcast would know that I record these podcasts in shorts most of the time. Um, and I am very ready for some uh, pocket warmers in the, in the rest of the winter here. But oh, yeah. enough about my own environment. Let's get into the crypto environment, shall we? We have a lot to cover today. I'm not really sure if that is a changing narrative here. But today, we are going to go in a little bit of a different direction. We are going to be talking about the dark side of crypto. So if you are interested in this type of stuff and seeing what we are going to be getting into, do us a favor, smash that like button, leave us a comment, jump into the chat. We want to hear from you and basically get you guys involved in these streams. We recast them to our podcast platform on like a two-day delay. But for those of you that are joining us live here on YouTube, we like to get your questions answered here. So, if you have questions about the dark side of crypto, we're here to answer them today. We got a bunch to get into. Let's jump into buy seller hodl. Buy, 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 sell, 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 or hodl. HODL, HODL. So, our first story this Tuesday for buy seller hodl has to do with, as Richard said at the very beginning, a very rough weekend for Bitcoin. And as you can see up top, we have 16 candles, the Bitcoin story as our our, uh, running bar today. And when we say sixteen candles, I mean that if you look at the four-hour chart and you look at the last sixteen candles, it is a freaking roller coaster ride. So we're going to kind of break this down for you. Talk about what actually happened, what caused the bullishness, what caused the bearishness. Really, it was a lot more bearishness than anything. But Richard, walk us through the like the actual scenario of what broke down over the weekend. All right, so over the weekend, Bitcoin crashed
1: from fifty-seven thousand down to forty-two thousand, and as of right now this recording, it is sitting above fifty-one thousand. Um, is a recovery imminent? Uh, the it, it's yet to see. We're in this interesting time where it's end of year, people are trying to take profits, but people are also watching technicals, which are saying that we're due for one last big, <clears throat> excuse me, run up, and. Uh, You have other big news, like big institutions abandoning the SEC applications for ETF. Um, Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, aka funny Steve over here, um, with uh, Craig White, was found not guilty of conversion, um, but is he innocent of fraud. And I'm going to let you actually dive into that one a little bit more.
0: Yeah, so we joke around here calling Craig Wright Satoshi Nakamoto because for those of you that don't know, Craig Wright claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto. He is not Satoshi Nakamoto. There have been multiple reports that have completely disproven um, his claim there. But he was in a lawsuit up against one of the other developers that he um, was working with in the crypto space like 10 years ago, but the partner had passed. And the estate of the partner basically went after Craig Wright and said like, look, you stole all of the assets. that basically, you and our, um, our family's patron built together. And we have a claim to that. So they proved in court that he absolutely stole um, the intellectual property and was basically told, hey, you are going to have to pay out $100 million in damages for this. But if he were actually proven guilty, which personally I believe he was, he would have had to pay out $25 billion. The B- yeah, with, with a B. That's insane. But this guy's a scumbag. True, like, bottom of the like ocean scumbag. Bad. Anyway, big deal. What you need to take away from it is this guy's not Satoshi Nakamoto. And at the same time, this case is officially behind. So we have no more need to be following this case um, going forward. The crypto space did follow it for quite a little while there. Um, but I want to... Double back to the one in the middle that we just passed over, um, Richard. What do you think about these big institutions abandoning their SEC applications for spot ETFs? Because I I get really hung up on this one. This is something that just started coming out. I think it was Fidelity pulled theirs, um, Wisdom Tree pulled theirs. Uh, what do you make of it?
1: Cold feet. I mean, in the in the regular crypto, in the, in the regular stock markets, right, equity markets, if you see something go down one or two percent, it's 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 a big deal. People are freaking out like, oh my gosh, like the Dow's down one, two percent, it's a bad day, right? Or or the the Nasdaq or, and and whatnot. Um even regular uh equity companies, you know, they go down you know five, ten percent in um a week. They're like, oh my gosh, what's what's going on? That that happens in crypto like in a couple of hours. And like that is that is very hard to stomach, especially for your institutional investors. Like if you're allocating 0.1%, not a whole 1%, 0.1%. And you have to explain how $3 billion worth of value disappeared in a matter of hours, um, etc. People get cold feet. And so I think once they saw what really happened in the market, it was just a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is highly volatile. Not, not sure if I'm ready for that just yet. And I think it spooked
0: them. Well, look, I personally think it's a matter of patience. I think that we've got the SEC that is ruling against these spot Bitcoin applications nonstop. And it's kind of disgusting, honestly. Like the SEC should not have this stance of needing to protect the investor so strongly to the point where they are pulling back on what is officially now a legitimized financial instrument in, in Bitcoin, right? Everything points to the fact that it is legitimized and it is no riskier than basically putting your money into a bank where you have predatory loans and you have predatory interest rates and all this stuff going on. like It's insane to just compare the two and compare the risks that the SEC already allows. Um, So to me, I think that it's silly, but you're going to continue to see this happen. I think it's going to be a narrative through the next couple of weeks. Uh, More and more financial institutions are going to pull back on the reins and they're going to go to Canada to file, um, which they can go there and immediately get an ETF approved right now for spot Bitcoin. Um, Pretty incredible, in my opinion. But let's move forward into non-fungible news. We had a really cool headline that broke earlier today, and that came to us from DraftKings, who just locked in a partnership with the um, NFL Players Association. So they're going to be able to now expand their NFT marketplace over DraftKings and do a whole bunch of NFTs around the players, their image, and basically selling NFTs that reflect the player's likeness beginning the 2022-2023 NFL season. You're a former football player. You have friends that are, I am I believe, still in the league or just out of the league. What do you think of this for them? Do you think that this is going to be a bigger deal?
1: I think it can be. I think ultimately when you're licensing players name, image, and likeness, sometimes they don't necessarily get to reap those benefits. Um, comes with signing up for a uh, playing in the NFL. That's why some of these other NFT plays um, that are allowing for more athletes to kind of like reap the benefits of them. So I think could be more beneficial. But ultimately, it's just like if you think of uh, what did fantasy football do to the NFL? I personally believe it saved the NFL. I think it brought brand new attention, brand new mass to um, all sorts of people who really wouldn't even watch and be as like invested into um, watching the sport and it made people really keen on and hone in on individual players. And so with something like this, I think uh, this is going to allow for more people to really hone in and, and be
0: a lot more attached to some different plus out there. Look, we can all certainly hope for it. Any exposure is good exposure in the NFT space. So getting to grow that audience is always going to be clutch. The next piece comes out of Coinbase. So as you may have already heard, Rich, we have Coinbase NFT launching soon. But in line with that, they're apparently already testing the waters by launching an OpenSea collection. This is brand new. They just you know, started rolling this out very soft today. So they're going to start releasing their own NFTs. But they also announced in line with this, like across the last six hours, Um, a number of new partnerships. So across the last two days, they announced Fuocious, who's a phenomenal artist in the NFT space. Derek Adams, who I believe is a photographer in the NFT space. But then they also today added Guttercat Gang. And there was one other one that they just added. Uh, But there's a lot of really, really amazing content creators they're bringing on for day one onboarded NFT creators. I am really, really excited about this because OpenSea needs more competition. Speaking of that, OpenSea decided to go out and hire Brian Roberts as their new CFO. If you're familiar with Brian Roberts, then you know he was an executive at Lyft and helped them prep for an IPO. So it's currently assumed that this guy is coming on to help OpenSea prepare for its own IPO. Obviously, this would be huge for the NFT space. But my question to you has more to do with should OpenC be pursuing an IPO right now?
1: Yes. Because Coinbase is knocking on the door. And as soon as that exchange comes and builds a pretty solid model, why would other exchanges do the same thing? You already have people. They're already in your ecosystem. They already are familiar with you. Um, But I think if you're going to jump on this, the numbers that we've been talking about with them have been insane. So if there's a window of opportunity, I think it's right now.
0: Yeah, I, I happen to agree, but I think that they need to get some other priorities straight first. Um, I've already expressed it once or twice on the show that I am a little bit, um, let's say peeved. Peeved sounds like the best word for a Tuesday night. Um, a little <laughs> bit peeved with um, the way that OpenSea has been handling their shit lately. I think that the support for project creators and even for customers has been really bad. And their PR response has been really bad. So to get somebody on that is a customer experience expert or to bring in somebody who can really handle culture and managing the brand at large, that'll do them so much. It'll it'll serve them dividends so much higher than just doing an IPO right out the gate. That's my opinion. I think that they can they can work toward an IPO, but they need to get that other stuff locked in first. So they can continue to maintain their first mover advantage. If they can't, they're screwed. But do you have anything to uh, respond on that? Yeah. I mean, what
1: you're saying is right. But at the same time, just going to the idea of they have to strike while the iron's hot. And right now, NFTs are very hot. And right now, they are dominating and own the market. By IPOing, that allows more cash flow in, which then gives them more resources to then go and do all the different things that you just laid out. It gives them a lot more capital to inject into the company to go and map out all those plans, hire the right people and continue to expand their their grasp. But that window is, is
0: already starting to tighten. Coinbase is, is coming. Well, look, man, we're gonna have to just see what happens. But for those of you that are joining us in the chat, please let us know what you think. Do you think that they should be going for an IPO right now? Or do you think they should just try to solve some of the problems they have going on? We'd love to hear from you in the comments. But let's move into our lightning round and get through the last pieces of news that we think need to be on your radar this week. First one, Massive. Twitter announced that they are officially going to be rolling out Ethereum tipping in their new tipping feature that we shared with you a month or two ago. I am so freaking excited about this. Yes. For so, so many reasons. Yes. Yes. So have you have you already enabled tipping into in Twitter? I have not. Have you? I played with it last week and it's very straightforward. You can link in a number of different payment apps, but um the one that I just set up through was Strike because I don't have a Bitcoin wallet that I like really use consistently. So to be able to receive payments via Strike works really well for me. But eventually, I'm going to add my own proprietary wallet once I have my cold storage locked down. Nice. But for Ethereum, I do have my cold storage locked down. So I can go and get that address and plug it in whenever Twitter you know, decides to roll this out. But I think they're going to roll this out with the verified NFT profile pick feature that they're working on. And I think altogether, that is going to be so huge. Um, and I cannot wait for it. Man, I just like that they're so crypto friendly,
1: man, like it's Twitter. I mean, Jack Dorsey definitely uh, opened up the red carpet for the community before he exited it. But it doesn't look like the new administration is going to like shy away from it. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep leaning into and towards crypto and blockchain or if they start to pull back and become more corporate
0: again. And see, I don't think they will. I mean, Jack is still on the board but, and the only reason from what I've heard that Jack left is because one of the other board members voiced a concern that like he didn't think that Jack was putting in the right time with Twitter and that he was focusing most of his efforts into being the CEO of Square Crypto. So, yeah, it's a fair point. But I think the next guy that's up is still going to have Jack's support going forward into like, you know, rolling out crypto features onto Twitter. That to me is really exciting stuff. Um, especially because he's already showing, he being the new CEO, is already showing that like, he's okay with Ethereum and all other coins. Whereas Jack was just kind of a Bitcoin maxi. So in any event, that's really cool. Other lightning round pieces. Coinbase just added another slew of coins. They're just picking up anything that even remotely looks like a token and selling it. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been saying that line four months now since they added um, A-gold, um, which was um, Loot Adventure Gold. Um, mm-hmm. They should have never added that coin. They also should have never added like Shiva Inu, but that's just my opinion. Um, these two big tokens out of the last uh, cornucopia, if you will, coming off of Thanksgiving, of tokens that they added included the Spell Token, which is huge in the Avalanche eco- ecosystem, and Super Farm, which as you know, Rich, I am in love with. I love Superform. I yep. love everything about it. So very, very excited about all that. And the last thing that came through in the last couple of hours was an announcement that Nexo, who you may know is a staking provider, has officially partnered with Fidelity Digital Assets. They're going to be working together to develop a software suite and also a DeFi compliance <laughs> infrastructure. That It was bound to happen, right? Better <laughs> of time. Yep. So we've actually done these shows for a couple months now, and I don't think my dog has interrupted <laughs> once. But he decided today was the day to just get <laughs> right in the middle of Fidelity Digital Assets. Man, what a time! Um, do you want to talk about this at all? Do you know much about this partnership, or um, is this just no, some other? Asked.
1: I mean, other than this is going to be a really good thing. I mean, Nexo is a pretty solid project, and the fact that they're anything with compliance, especially as some news we're about to get into in a, in a, a future time. Um, it's important. And the more that you can be as compliant as possible and play nice with uh, regulate, regulators, you typically do pretty well. Now, it might be a, a, a longer ride up. You might not get like the instant, ooh, look at us, we're now instantly 100x. But it's like a slow tick up that's pretty pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I I would have to agree with you. I think that the big thing here is that we're starting to see like some cross-industry um, collaboration which is refreshing. Obviously Fidelity Digital Assets is the digital asset arm of the bigger Fidelity company um, which is a big financial institution. I'm personally really interested in this because Nexo has been criticized as, you know, one of the other companies that the SEC is going to go after here shortly. So, this kind of gives me hope especially because they're focusing on compliance. But look, that's going to wrap up our buy seller HODL news segment this week. If you enjoyed any of these specific pieces you know, or you want to hear more about one of them in the future, or even if we didn't cover something that you really, really want to hear about, let us know. We want to make sure that we're including it going forward and making sure that all of these segments are tailored to what you, our lovely audience member, a member of our Cryptocurrent crew, are looking forward to. But the only way you're going to get that stuff is if you if you subscribe to the channel. So please do us a favor, make sure you click the subscribe button here on YouTube, pound this the like button, give us a comment, tell us how we're doing. Otherwise, let's move into the next segment, which you know is one of my personal favorites. Crypto decrypted just like every week here on CryptoCurrent Live, we like to roll out a very special segment for you where we take apart one of the bigger concepts here in the crypto landscape. And this week, we decided, given that Bitcoin decided to um, go down into the depths of despair, we would lean into the dark side of crypto. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to be taking apart a little bit of how crypto is referred to as a money laundering scheme, or it's used for illicit, act- illicit activity and you know, dive into all that. But the dark side of crypto would be nothing without the dark web. So, Rich, give me a little bit of a synopsis on what we mean when we're talking about the dark web, what goes on. All right.
1: So the dark web is a different form of the Internet that gives you a little bit more access to things that uh, could... Be seen as a little bit more sketchy, so you have access to things. So, for example, Silk Road was built on top of uh, the dark web, and you can go and find, you know, from from what I hear, of course, um, find things like ways to be able to buy drugs or be able to buy a hitman or a bunch of other terrible, terrible things. Um, now, the reason that people use this is because it's a lot harder to track back. There's a little bit more anonymity. To it, and you have a lot more access to a lot more resources. Um, and unfortunately, they's also used for things like trafficking, um, again, black market goods, and a, a ton of other terrible things. So, one of the ways that it's being utilized more than anything is money laundering. So, what is money laundering?
0: It is a way to wash. We accidentally included a U.S. Federal Reserve System logo there. Let's change that. My bad. Go ahead and explain money laundering.
1: <laughs> so money laundering. Let's go ahead and look at that. So what you're doing is essentially washing money. So you're taking dirty money, aka money that is not within the legal confines of a, a legal institution, and you are mixing it with a uh, legal money that you can then go and use. So uh, if you have ever watched Ozark, that is a good representation of ways that you can uh, money launder and launder money, wash money, whether it's drug money, uh, et cetera, able to bring it into um, a national system and have it be legitimized. So Crypto has been a way to do that. Um, There's been a couple different ways that it's been used historically. And of course, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's also illegal and all countries frown upon it. So recently, there was some news that came out uh, that Biden is targeting crypto money laundering and tax evasion and has an entire force going after that. Steve, do you want to kind of talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it really quick. Um, And that is just very, very simple in that... President Biden and his administration have decided that they want to go after corruption at the highest level which between you and me I think it's hysterical government wanting to go after corruption it's pretty much synonymous with corruption at this point anyway all you know political discussion aside they want to go after five pillars of corruption within society today the third of which ties to cryptocurrency so What they want to target here is the bigger focus of this dark side of crypto discussion that we have here today. So we wanted to give you this bigger understanding of how in the past and even right now, money laundering and tax evasion, the things that Biden's going after, are still ongoing and how it has played into the crypto narrative over time. Because it's been changing. Um, But to understand that, you kind of need to break down what are referred to as anti-money laundering typology. Um, so we're going to break this down a little bit here, um, kind of one by one. So off the bat, there are a number of different typologies within AML um, you know, compliance, but there are four key ones. And the fourth is kind of suspect right now because they're still trying to define it. The, but the first three are use of non-compliant exchanges, laundering via Bitcoin ATM, and asset tumblers and mixers. So let's take that apart for a sec. When we're referring to use of non compliant exchanges, we're most of the time talking about going to either a centralized exchange or a non registered exchange that is not complying with the US government's code for AML. In a lot of cases, that means a KYC. To break that down, it's know your customer laws. So one of the companies that for the longest time wasn't doing that, and still isn't in a couple of countries, is Binance. Another one was PESA. Peza got destroyed by um, regulators from a number of different countries because it was not compliant. So when we look across the board, if you are going to a centralized exchange and you're not giving them all that KYC information which is like your social security number, your home address, your name, giving them a a validation of your actual identity, they are not in compliance. So technically, that is a place that you could theoretically be money laundering. And that's why the government does not want that to continue. So anytime the US government's involved, they're asking exchanges to KYC their customers, make sure all of that's out there. a whole bunch of other compliance stuff that goes on there. But the big thing that I kind of come back to with this is that it's inescapable. You should want this to be resolved. You should want your exchange to be compliant. The one thing it does not touch, however, is DEXs. So any dex out there, whether it's Uniswap, SushiSwap, 1inch, Trader Joe, um, you name them, Real quick,
1: a DEX is a decentralized
0: exchange. Yeah, great clarifier. Any one of these DEXs, they can't KYC you because it's decentralized. It's, Its base nature is that it is not necessarily going to have compliance baked in. It's going to allow for a free market of trade, like in its purest distilled form. So It's really interesting to me how that one's broken down over time, but non-compliant exchanges are one of the money laundering vehicles that we um, are basically going to be seeing attacked in this new round of um, regulation. So Richard, can you break down laundering via Bitcoin ATMs?
1: Yeah. So unfortunately, another way that you uh, can go about laundering money is going to these Bitcoin ATMs. So what you do... Are what people have done is go and bring a ton of cash and bring it to a Bitcoin ATM, exchange the cash for Bitcoin. And then they take that Bitcoin, put it into a KYC, Coinbase, like, if you will, um, exchange or crypto.com. So move that uh, Bitcoin that was bought into ATM via either a paper wallet or if you moved it to uh, a digital wallet, then you take that Bitcoin and you move it to centralized exchange and then you sell out. And so it's uh it is a way that it, it has been explored. And so it's it's it then becomes a story of is it then important for these Bitcoin ATMs to KYC people who do regular transactions? And if you think about a regular ATM, um it's not that you're when you go in there, you're putting all your personal information, right? You put in your credit card, debit card, whatever banking that you use, and you go in, and do the same thing. So, you know, it's that one's a little bit trickier. I don't know how they're necessarily going to go about trying to clean that up, um, but that is another way that it is being explored right now.
0: Yeah, and again, I think the Bitcoin ATMs are really cool, and they allow for a greater degree of accessibility to Bitcoin. I don't think that we should see them, I guess, killed off. You know, just because we're trying to comply with AML, <clears throat> however. I think there are ways that we can start to see that resolved. We'll get into resolution later though. Right now we're here to focus on the dark stuff.
1: AML, anti-money laundering. Yeah, I thought we'd said that a couple of times.
0: But anyway, um, asset tumblers and mixers. This is probably the biggest one. And this is to me where the majority of illegal activity goes on. If you want to describe money laundering, as a way to clean the money that is dirty money and turn it into legitimized dollars. An asset tumbler or mixer is the crypto equivalent of the most simplified process. It's like you were putting in dirty money and it's getting mixed up with all this other cash and it comes out to a different address, totally clean, not seeing where it was sent from. Um, tornado Cash is the leading example of this. And just to like give a quick explainer on this, basically. Tornado Cash pitches itself as like a privacy coin. So it improves transaction privacy by breaking the on-chain link between source and destination. So it uses a smart contract that accepts it accepts ETH deposits. that can be then withdrawn by a different address. So to pre- preserve any degree of privacy, a relayer can be used to withdraw to an address with no Ethereum balance. Whenever Ethereum is withdrawn by the new address, There's no way to link that withdrawal to the deposit, ensuring complete privacy. Um, It's a very unique system that they've built. I have to give them credit because, again, to do this and make it easy to use, functional, relatively hack-proof, I wouldn't say that it's hack-proof because nothing is, but it's relatively secure, is kind of a miracle. That being said, nobody is using Tornado Cash for a good reason. That's just the state of things right now. They're using it to, you know, launder money and launder different crypto assets. Otherwise, the majority of crypto is on a decentralized ledger. Every single transaction is accounted for on like a triplicate level. So it's really important to understand like why you actually want these ledgers to function the way they were built. So that's my take on it. Um, Richard, let's jump in another really fun one, and that's privacy coins. So privacy
1: coins, what are they? Ultimately, they're meant to (laughs) keep everything that you do private, Uh, just like it says in the name. If you look at the dark web, which we talked about earlier, most of the transactions used to be in, in Bitcoin, and I think they still technically are, but there's a gigantic shift to Monero. Monero um, is one of the privacy coins that are out there. Now, why would you say would you do that? Well, again, because Bitcoin is on a ledger, and if you're not using things uh, like asset tumblers and mixers, and you're just doing direct trans transactions, you can follow the money. And if you really dig deep enough, you can probably figure out where everything has gone. And people have figured that out. That hey, this is trackable. So what they're doing now is moving towards privacy coins, um, which uh, the leading privacy coin right now is. Monero, which has a unique utility that, again, truly keeps all elements of transactions that you do private. Now, I don't know that at its core, Monero is a bad thing. I think privacy is good. Um, The problem, though, on the other side of privacy is that it then also gives potential bad characters a... Straight line way to do bad things with no repercussions because you can't track it. So it's a double edged sword. Not really sure how to unpack that too much more than that. But it's 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 things intrinsically aren't good or bad. It's how they're used. And so I'll just keep
0: it at that. I and mean, the big thing here is like it comes down to tax evasion, right? Because looking at it from the consumer perspective, perspective as a retail investor if you're investing in something like monero ethereum doesn't even matter if it's a privacy coin like it can be anything it's on you to report that to the IRS if you're a US citizen right it's not like they're going to you know have the resources to go out and scour every single blockchain so with something like bitcoin there is a ledger like they can go back if they really want to assert the, um, the internal assets to develop a, a, a system to scour Bitcoin for US transactions. They could do that. It would take decades, but they could do that because it's the government. It takes decades for them to... Never mind. Um, my point is this. With Monero, it's really, really hard To actually be able to track it as a third party, if you want to follow, for example, Richard's transactions, you can't just go up and look that up super easily. So in the world of Bitcoin, having been legitimized, people are starting to go to Monero because Bitcoin is going to probably be one of the first chains that entities like the IRS are going to want to build software around to be able to track. Yep. That's the big moral there. but. In this entire discussion of tax evasion and money laundering, you start getting into the criminal side of what goes on on the the dark web and even on the base layers of the internet. And you've probably heard us mention from time to time, there are things like hacks, scams, rug pulls, and even organized crime. Now, we're not going to get too much into the organized crime of it all. But I do want to make sure that we take a second to separate a hack from a scam from a rug pull, because people like to just put everything under the label of rug pull. But we need to make sure that as educators, you guys understand that they are very different things. Let's start with rug pull and work our way back. Rich, give me the definition of rug pull and how you've been affected by rug pull in the past.
1: (laughs) A rug pull is nothing more than a true scam in the sense that something is built with the pure intention to get up to a certain point. And then the leaders who have a ton of the coin, with uh, you get on exchange with minimal liquidity, and they sell it all and basically take all of the liquidity out so that everyone is stuck with the bag and have had the rug pulled from underneath them. Again, the example we gave more recently was the Squid Games coin that came out. Uh, the people who created it basically rug pulled all the people that came in and the people lost uh, millions of dollars. So they literally built this thing, walked away, Uh, with millions of dollars in a short amount of time.
0: That's rug pull. And the biggest place that rug pulls occur right now within the crypto space is in pre-sales and public sales of new coin offerings. I don't want to say ICO anymore because it really is not an initial coin offering anymore. It's either an IEO, an IDO, or you're participating in a pre-sale or private sale. But one of the things that happened um, in the last couple months was um as you said the squid games coin but there have been probably what 150 others at least at least absalta unfortunately yep it's it's part of this world if you decide that you want to you know get into private sales and try to play the really high stakes part of cryptocurrency investing but then there are also um other scams that are involved so you can just have individuals who create unique organized scams online to get you to click fraudulent links that fish your addresses or can steal your money away. And then lastly, you have hacks. Hacks are typically much bigger organized um, activities. And we have a lot of these outlined over on the left. But Poly Network was the biggest one that happened this year. And you can also go back in time to what was the most notorious one, which was Mt. Gox back in 2014. All of these were hacks. It was an organized group or a hacker individually who broke into the system and was able to, via, ne- via an exploit, pull all the money out. In the case of Mount Gox, it's still not known whether or not it was an inside job.
1: Right. So that's another part of it, right?
0: Yeah. So give me, give me your take on that for a sec. Let's unpack that.
1: You know, I just want to say that at the time of 2014, you didn't have nearly the resources and knowledge that you have now. And if, if they did, I think they probably would have been able to find how this person was able to find the, the place to be able to go in and hack this. Um, Again, it kind of just, if you go back and look at the story, it it feels like it very easily could have been an inside job. It hasn't been proven, hasn't been disproven. um, But for me, it it just,
0: it kind of feels like an inside job. Yeah, look, I'm not going to take a stance on it. I just, all I know is that they got hacked and they got a lot of of Bitcoin stolen. Um, But let's get into the resolution side of it. Because again, all of this negative stuff that goes on in the crypto world it's important to understand that there are ways to solve it and at the same time that regulation is not necessarily a bad thing. So what the Biden administration is doing here is not necessarily bad and we want to make sure that we all understand this. While KYC can be an inconvenience, it is something that at the end of the day is going to lead to a greater deal of like trust and I don't want to say it's going to lead to mass adoption. But in a way, it's going to. Yes. So can you, I guess, unpack for me why KYC is good? Because I don't necessarily think we need to dive into why it's bad.
1: No. Uh, KYC is good because um, it's going to help with regulatory compliance, which is going to prevent people from getting... uh, (laughs) Just scammers coming in and using fake identities to try to have access internally to, to try to find exposures and weak points within the system to try to... hacks. Um, The next is credibility and growth. Um, As you have people who are compliantly coming on the platform, um, that means that you now have a background check of a lot of these people and can confirm if they have done any um, fraudulent or uh, negative things in the past that could make your
0: platform susceptible to potential dangers. The ex- Real quick though, Rich, for the other side of it, like for the exchange or for any of these institutions they are doing KYC or requiring KYC, it actually adds to their credibility as an institution. Yeah. That's just another side of the credibility um, equation. Sorry, go ahead with fraud prevention.
1: Oh, absolutely. So fraud prevention, uh, you can secure your business identity from thieves, money launderers, and cryptocurrencies, uh, or sorry, and um, other cyber securities. The, the thing with the, the fraud prevention and why KYC is good and setting up two-factor authentications. I have a story for another day that we can get into. But I recently had a friend who legitimately had their Coinbase hacked because they had KYC and everything else. They were quickly able to contact Coinbase, lock the hacker out and stop themselves from being um, owed about $35,000. So again, KYC can be very, very good, especially when things go south very quickly. Um, And then customer retention, uh, you can retain strong risk of cover along with happy customers that being going to get verification very quickly. It's going to retain where these people are going to feel that their money is safe um, with working with said platform, etc. So some of the benefits of KYC. Yeah.
0: And I I think that honestly, it's going to make for a safer crypto environment in the long run. Um, And I certainly hope that even the venture funds... Are held to the same exact example, and that they start, you know, really upholding KYC because it's going to make for a much safer crypto environment. The last piece of the puzzle here, in terms of worthy regulation, is something I, I feel like I need to bring up because it has flown so far under the radar. Richard, I don't even know if you heard about this. Um, so please let me know if you have. This actually is coming out of um, the EU Commission for um markets in crypto assets they had a massive um, amendment that was proposed earlier on this year I think it was put forward in like September um, or maybe even a little bit before where they're really working in the EU to define their regulation so determine like you know what is it that they're going to you know create immediate um, regulatory conditions for and this document is 540 pages. Like it's massive. That's probably the reason why so many people have not heard of it is because nobody wants to take the time to read 540 pages, but because it's a government document, there is so much in it. And we're going to share a link after this. If you want to check out the synopsis of it, Um, somebody that's really familiar with the matter made a great breakdown of it on Reddit. Um, But in it, By setting up a unique regulatory authority for crypto assets, instead of lumping it in with everything else like the SEC is trying to do, or even the um, CFTC is trying to do. Granted, I would rather the CFTC in our country manage crypto, but that's beside the point. Outside of the US, in the EU, they are way more likely to get something like this passed through, define it from a regulatory standpoint, and then encourage the rest of the world to adopt that standard. It's been done in the past, and frankly a lot of the financial regulation that comes out of Brussels, which is where a lot of um, the EU's financial center is based, a lot of that ends up affecting world policy and it gets adopted broadly. so like it has to start in Brussels. This document in particular <laughs> encourages setting up a unique authority to handle crypto but it also outlines that like you know NFTs are not going to be regulated um what was it stable coins are going to be heavily regulated like it gives that level of granular clarification which in the US we don't have the SEC has failed to give any type of clarification so we need unique regulatory authorities and that is going to be one of the things that triggers the dominoes falling to start solving an anti-money laundering in um, the crypto space and to get rid of more of the organized crime element. But Rich, to wrap this thing up, what else do you feel like you need to add? I included a couple of the myths here just if we wanted to tap on it for a sec, but we can carry this thing out if you want. I think you're muted.
1: That was weird. Um, so just to wrap this up, we'll, we'll dive into two of these myths, not spend a lot of time on it. But um, myth number one, the majority of cryptocurrency transactions are for legal activities. Um, just not true. Um, shows Research shows that illicit activity from accounts uh, for less than 1% of transactions. There's a lot of transactions going out right now. So um, if you look at a $2.5 trillion market cap right now, the entire cryptocurrency market, you do 1% of that, that's you know nothing compared to the rest of the market. So again, myth number one. Myth number two, more illegal activity takes place in cryptocurrency than with cash. Um, not at all. So uh, cash continues to be king uh, for criminals and uh, UN estimates 1.6 trillion in cash is laundered each year. So again, there are good and bad with everything you do. There's nothing intrinsically that uh, makes something good or bad. But it's all on how things are being used. There's definitely a dark side to crypto. Uh, It definitely has some, um, from its early inklings, uh, ways for people to expose it and be able to uh, do some not so legal things with it. But I think as it continues to mature, more people are finding ways to be able to track and utilize things. And with KYC and everything else that's going into it, regulations, people actively trying to make sure that we're stopping anti-money laundering. The future looks bright. I think there is still a lot of good opportunity for privacy and and everything else, but there's a compliant way to do it. So um, I'm very optimistic that uh, we will start to get further and further away from the dark side of crypto and bring things into the light.
0: We can only hope. Well, look, guys, that's going to do it for Crypto Decrypted this week. If you enjoyed the segment, let us know. If we went on too long talking about things that you don't care about, let us know. We want to make sure that we're giving these segments exactly what you are looking for, what you want to get educated on. And the only way we can do that is if you hit us up in the comments or get at us on Twitter, Instagram, and all the other social platforms where you should be connected with us. But that being said, let's get into the final segment of our show where we like to talk about all the fun things that you might want to be betting on. This is Blockchain Bets. So if you're anything like us, we like to look at what has the most opportunity to go up across a given week. And given that we are in the first week of December, after a miserable week in the market, we are going to give you our six picks for this upcoming week, what has some really great opportunity and upside in three different categories. We're going to give you each picks in the blue chip category, which is the mar- any coin that is currently sitting in the market cap from number one to number 50. Then we're going to give you a each of our picks from the mid-cap zone, which is market cap number 50 to 300. And then last but not least, the place where we like to play the most, DJ and Casino. Any coins from market cap number 300 all the way down to however many coins there are in existence right now. Richard, what would you like to choose for your blue chip this week? So it's interesting. We keep talking
1: about it. And then um, for... My dj pick I had to learn more about it, and my pick this week is going to be Avalanche so Avalanche, now that I've done more research into it and actively still learning more about it, has a ton of upside like an outrageous amount of upside like that they really are just trying to be an interoperability play where you can have pretty much any kind of crypto regardless of the initial um blockchain system, ecosystem that's built on top of, be able to come into its ecosystem, bridge, still give uh, some liquidity and ways to get into a ton of different projects that are out there. And then even have you offboard onto whatever end ecosystem that you want to again And I'll talk to you a little bit later why I, I, I learned as much as I did at Vush, But again, there's a ton of sides to it. I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand it because it is hard. It is a difficult platform to get on and understand the first time you try to get on. But after you get on and you get the hang of it, it is very robust. And again, it has a ton of upside. It took a hit in the last week with all the corrections. So might be a solid time to find a, an entry point.
0: Yeah, the big word there that I want to make sure we return to later and I think we should probably cover it in a crypto decrypted in the future is the interoperable word. Avalanche is creating a really unique multi-chain system. It's not just you know interoperable thinking that you can spray and pray, like that type of idea that like, you could literally just shoot it out in any number of different directions. Avalanche goes about it uniquely by deploying three chains. One that's for exchanges, one that's for protocols, and then one that is for um, general wallet-to-wallet, so like typical interaction. Um, it's really interesting. I think it's a great pick, Richard. You stole it from me again this week, which I think is hysterical. Um, so that being said, I decided to go in a different direction with my blue chip. I went down the list and decided that there is one coin that got absolutely smacked during this pullback. And that was the exchange token that is known as FTX token, which trades ironically under FTT. FTX token is the official token of the FTX exchange, which is a centralized exchange that you may know from the likes of Mr. Samuel Bankman Freed. Honestly, they have the most aggressive marketing of any centralized exchange out there. And from what I can tell, they have a ton of institutional backing. A ton. There's no reason that FTX can't be up there with the likes of Binance by the end of... This next cycle, I expect that they're going to rise up out of the um, 40s and likely into the top 20 by the end of this cycle. So it'll wow. be interesting to see how they move. That's my personal bet. I think there's a lot of money to be had in terms of return with FTX. So let's look at your mid cap EOS. So EOS
1: um, is my pick. I used to be very bullish on EOS a couple of years ago, but they've kind of disappointed me with deployment of all the things that they're trying to do. So of late, they've started to get a couple more partnerships. They're starting to get a lot more of their developers back on board, get us kind of a centralized, uh, focused on what they're trying to get accomplished. And so just from a fundamental standpoint of understanding what they're trying to build, what they're trying to accomplish, they they are starting to get some things going again, which is nice. But then also from a technical standpoint, uh, again, another one I got, hammered in, I think, is is right on the cusp of having a breakout soon. So that's one that I'm watching uh, pretty closely and and I think could have a pretty substantial week coming up. So EOS is my pick.
0: I'm not going to add much on that one. I used to be bullish on EOS and they burned me bad. So I wish you We're good luck. You. Thank I you. Wish you. I wish you good luck because my pick is going to smack yours in the face this week. I'm picking Immutable X. Immutable X is a layer two scaling solution that's built on ZK rollups, which happens to be one of the emerging trends at the end of this current market cycle. I personally think that how it is serving the market is massively needed. I've spoken about it on a couple of different episodes. It is really targeting the NFT market and trying to provide a scaling solution that is just built for NFTs. It would take a huge amount of load off the Ethereum network. but They're doing some really incredible stuff over there. I would highly recommend you check it out. They got down to I think $5.10 on the last hit. They were up at $9 before. And I promise you, this project is a top 25 project by the end of next cycle. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it really rip and do some big things. But that kind of brings me to the end of my mid-cap pick and also into a toss-up because I know what you picked for and Casino, Rich. And yep. I'm in a toss-up right now because I have some you know dry powder on the side to put into a project right now. And I'm actually between Immutable and your pick for the and Casino. So let's get into your DGen pick and you'll understand why.
1: <sighs>
0: so my Degen
1: pick is going to be Wonderland, aka Time. So, you know, in, in life... When you hear things in threes or when you hear things multiple times in a short amount of time for multiple people that you respect and trust, it's a gift from the universe to let you know it's something you need to pay attention to. And so I had multiple people in a short amount of time hit me up on Wonderland Times saying, hey, you need to look into this. You should find a way to get in. So for those of you who don't know, you can go on Wonderland Time and they have one of the highest APYs I have ever seen. So right now, I think it's sitting around like 73,000 APY. And yes, I know that sounds outrageous. It's It used to be higher. It used to be 86 about a week ago. And they even have a calculator on there that if you buy a certain amount of time of how much it would be worth, um, you can either put present value up to date uh, evaluate in the future if the APY goes down. You can run all these different equations, and you can get an understanding of what your money could be worth in a, a, a time horizon. And so, when I did all this stuff, I was like, "There's, there's no way this, this can't be, this can't be real." So, I was doing research with with Steve the other night, and I was like, dude, we need to find a way to do this?" So, again, why I learned about Avalanche was because the only way that you can get into time is to have an Avalanche uh, wallet set up and to go through the process of converting your money um, to and from Avalanche using some other DEXs on top of Avalanche and then ultimately getting time that you then stake on this APY. Now, I will say that I personally, uh, when they put some of the numbers out there and after you understand what's going on, uh, they say basically every five days what you can expect yield-wise to do. And I can confirm that that number is real. So I'm not going to put much more past that. I just want to confirm that some of the numbers that they have on their website are, at this moment, extremely real. And because of that is why I'm picking this, that this could be one of the greatest short-term plays if it can hold and sustain itself in the long run. It could also be a long-term play, but I'd say in a short-term horizon, whether it's this week or for the next month, to three months could be easiestly one of the fastest ways for you to get a massive ROI, on a, on a solid amount of money. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Look into it. There's a lot of videos on how to set it up. There's a lot of videos on what it is. It's worth your
0: time. I'm I'm gonna use that pun to look this up. I think the word that we're looking for here is silly. <laughs> it is, dude, it's dumb. I thought
1: it was fake. I thought it was dude, I, I still I don't need, I don't need more because I can verify. But like I could I it felt so fake. I didn't want to do it. So even the first time I heard it, I was like, dude, this is a joke. It's not real. Then I heard it the second time. I was like, dude, this is a joke. It's not real. Then I heard the third time. I was like, okay, it, it might be real. You know, you, you might just got to hear it a couple of times before you're like, you know, this thing might be real. I'm letting y'all know. I'm letting y'all know because I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it. This thing right now at this present moment is very real. Now, again, it comes with its own risk. And again, this is not financial advice. I'm just letting you know that the APY that they have on that website, I've witnessed firsthand and can verify that what they're saying on their website at this present moment is actually happening.
0: You're getting nine percent a week. Every five 9% days a week, every five days. God, it's it's crazy. If you would like another DJ and casino pick, I don't know if you do at this point because Wonderland time seems to be seems to be the focus right now. But if you are looking for another DJ and casino pick, let me introduce you to Boson Protocol. Boson is basically trying to cre- create an e-commerce platform within the Metaverse. I'm going to keep it very simple for you and leave it at that. I don't need to give you much more other than the fact that it's at a really attractive price point. It is roughly around $100 million market cap. That is right in the prime zone that I look for in DJ and Casino. I want to make sure that that thing can get an absolute rocket launch of potential up to 500 up to 750 And Boson has all of the makings of it. It's really, really well done. Highly recommend you check it out that's going to wrap up blockchain bets for us this week. We had six great picks for you. Just like every week we have here for you on Cryptocurrent Live. If you want more of these picks, come back and join us. Subscribe to the channel. We do these picks every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. And they're always so fresh. They're so good. So great. Tonight, you had Avalanche, AVAX. You had FTX token, FTT, EOS, which is EOS. Immutable X, which trades under IMX, Wonderland, which trades under Time, and then Boson Protocol, which trades under Boson, B O S O N. There is nothing else to say for blockchain bets. Let's close this thing out with what you need to watch for in the week ahead. What to watch for. So, Rich, in the week ahead, there are a couple really unique things that are happening around crypto. And we like to always break them down. But This time around, it's mostly NFT focused. You have two or three really big projects that are coming out, one of which is called Invisible Friends. We don't have time to show it to you. And the other one is off my radar and I just forgot it. So we're not going to give it to you. But we'll give it to you next week and show you exactly what it looked like. How about that? That works. Perfect. Well, look, guys, that's been our hour. That's been Crypto Current Live. Again, I've been Stephen Miller. He's been Richard Carthon. You can follow us both on Twitter there are our handles on screen. If you are not watching right now, please come watch on YouTube. We'd love to have you here for our live chat and also to you know have you learn live with us here every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. But for those of you that are listening on Recast, you can follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. You can follow Richard at Richard Carthon. Um, some final reminders, we have fantastic podcast interviews that release every Monday and Friday where Richard sits down with some of the best and brightest in crypto. All, um, almost always, they're founders. But this week, we have two phenomenal guests. We have um, Bo Olson from Transient Network, who they pitch themselves as the Amazon of smart contracts. You can decide that for yourself if you go and listen to the interview. And then you also have, um, I believe it was Darius Kozlovskis, or am I yep. off? Yeah, Darius Kozlovskis from drops.co who brings forward a really unique NFT5 platform that you really want to learn about this upcoming Friday. Otherwise, Chris will have a brand new short form video for you tomorrow talking about ICOs, IEOs, IDOs, ISPOs, IPOs, all of the IOs. They're all gonna be there for you tomorrow morning. But as I said, that's gonna do it for us tonight. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do us a favor, like it, subscribe, comment, Let us know what you think. Otherwise, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay cryptocurrency.